Hi, Daily 202 listeners. Allison Michaels here. I'm the politics editor for The Washington Post's audio team. I also host our weekly politics show, Can He Do That?, which takes an in-depth look at the way American government works in this time of deep division in our country. Since James Homan became a Washington Post opinions columnist and left the Daily 202 podcast, we've been working on some new ideas from the audio team. We're dedicated to bringing you an even better experience with The Washington Post in audio, and we have some exciting plans underway to do just that. As we build those plans, we've made the tough decision to stop producing episodes of The Daily 202's Big Idea podcast at the end of this week. But don't unsubscribe from this feed. If you stay subscribed, you'll be among the first to hear news about our new podcasts. In the meantime, the Washington Post audio collection has so many other great shows for you to discover. Since we know you love daily news with us, subscribe to Post Reports, our flagship daily podcast. That show features unparalleled reporting, expert insight, and clear analysis every weekday afternoon. Or consider downloading the Washington Post app to get breaking news and analysis on your mobile device wherever you are. Lastly, as we work on new shows, we'd love to hear from you. What have you loved about the Daily 202's big idea? What do you wish had been different? What kind of audio news show would you love to hear? I want to hear all of your feedback directly, so please reach out to me. My email is allison.michaels at washpost.com. That's allison with two L's dot michaels at washpost.com. Thanks for all of your dedicated listening right here. We are so excited about what's next, and we hope you'll join us. Okay, that's it. Here's your news for today. Good morning. I'm Allison Michaels from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, March 29th. In today's news, senators see a possibility of bipartisan support for gun background checks in the wake of mass shootings and the next phase of crisis at the border. But first, the big idea. The Biden administration and private companies are working to develop a standard way of handling credentials, often referred to as vaccine passports. These credentials would allow Americans to prove that they have been vaccinated against the novel coronavirus as businesses try to reopen. My colleagues Dan Diamond, Lena Sun, and Isaac Stanley Becker report that the effort has gained momentum amid President Biden's pledge that the nation will start to regain normalcy this summer. It's also gained momentum as a growing number of companies, from cruise lines to sports teams, say they will require proof of vaccination before opening their doors again. The administration's initiative has been largely driven by the Department of Health and Human Services. This month, the White House took on a bigger role coordinating government agencies involved in this work. The White House declined to answer questions about the passport initiative, instead pointing to public statements that their coronavirus czar made this month. He said that the White House's role is, quote, to help ensure that any solutions in this area should be simple, free, open source, accessible to people both digitally and on paper, and designed from the start to protect people's privacy. The initiative has emerged as an early test of the Biden administration, with officials working to coordinate dozens of agencies and a variety of experts helping administer vaccines and engaging in international vaccine efforts. The passports are expected to be free and available through applications for smartphones, which could display a scannable code similar to an airline boarding pass. Developers have said that Americans without smartphone access should be able to print out the passports. 
Other countries are racing ahead with their own passport plans, with the European Union pledging to release digital certificates that would allow for summer travel. U.S. officials say they are grappling with an array of challenges, including data privacy and healthcare equity. They want to make sure all Americans will be able to get credentials that prove they have been vaccinated. But they also want to set up systems that are not easily hacked and passports that can't be counterfeited, given that forgeries are already starting to appear. One of the most significant hurdles facing federal officials is the sheer number of passport initiatives underway. The Biden administration this month identified at least 17, according to some slides obtained by The Washington Post. These are things like a World Health Organization-led global effort and a digital pass devised by IBM that's being tested in New York State. These initiatives are rapidly moving forward, even as the White House deliberates about how best to track the shots and how to avoid the perception of a government mandate to be vaccinated. One of the teams working on vaccine passports is the Vaccination Credential Initiative, a coalition endeavoring to standardize how data in vaccination records is tracked. That team is aiming to release its free software standards in April, hoping developers will use them to help build digital vaccine records. The Vaccination Credential Initiative includes the Mayo Clinic, Microsoft, and more than 225 other organizations, many of which have pledged to use the code when administering shots. Biden administration officials privately acknowledge that this is a high-stakes effort. Biden's National Coordinator for Health IT recently said federal officials are concerned with a variety of health tech challenges, including things like protecting the credentials against fraud, ensuring data security, and making certain that low-income populations aren't squeezed out. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is participating in the World Health Organization's effort to create digital vaccination certificates. The CDC is also preparing to help advise on the passport rollout. The health agency says it is expecting to play a role in determining which organizations will credential and issue the certificates, in addition to informing the public. The Biden administration has promised to release more information about its efforts. Biden's coronavirus czar told governors that he would provide a more detailed briefing this week. There is evidence that vaccine passports could motivate skeptical Americans to get shots. Several vaccine-hesitant participants at a recent focus group of Trump supporters, led by pollster Frank Luntz, suggested their desire to see family, go on vacation, and resume other aspects of daily life outpaced their fear of the shots particularly if travel companies and others move to require proof of vaccination. And that's the big idea. Here are two other stories that should be on your radar. Number one, two senators, one Democrat and one Republican, said Sunday that lawmakers in both parties could support expanded background checks for gun sales amid increasing pressure to enact meaningful gun control measures. This comes after two recent mass shootings left 18 dead. Senator Chris Murphy, a Democrat from Connecticut, said Sunday on NBC's Meet the Press that, quote, don't count us out, adding that the fading political clout of the National Rifle Association presents an opportunity to work across the aisle to forge consensus on the issue. My colleagues Amy Wang and Jacob Bogage report that Murphy framed the gun debate as a chance for Republicans to prove that they can work with Democrats to pass legislation, avoiding the need to eliminate the Senate filibuster, as some Democrats have urged. 
Murphy said, if 60 senators can join forces to approve expanded background checks, that could create an opening to cooperate on other things. He added, quote, once we convince Republicans that the sky doesn't fall for you politically when you support a reasonable expansion of something like background checks, you can move on to other interventions. Murphy acknowledged that gun bills approved by the House earlier this month could not survive in the Senate without substantial changes. The House bills would expand background checks to include private transactions between unlicensed individuals and close a loophole that allows gun sales to go through after three business days, even if the background check is incomplete. Those provisions lack support among even some moderate Democrats in the Senate and could not garner the 60 votes needed to overcome a potential GOP filibuster. Senator Patrick Toomey, a Republican from Pennsylvania, who also appeared on Meet the Press on Sunday, agreed that Senate Republicans could support expanded background checks on commercial gun sales. Like many Republicans, however, he blamed the scourge of gun violence primarily on rampant criminality and mental illness, rather than the enormous number of weapons that Americans own. The renewed push for gun legislation is driven by two recent mass shootings. A 21-year-old man was charged with killing eight people at three Asian-owned spas in Georgia on March 16th. And a 21-year-old man was charged with killing 10 people, including a police officer, inside a Boulder grocery store on March 22nd. The shootings, which took place less than a week apart, prompted President Biden to call on Congress to enact gun reforms, including banning assault weapons and high-capacity magazines and closing loopholes on federal background checks. Gun control advocates have urged Biden to use his executive powers to crack down on gun violence. And the White House has been exploring various options, including strengthening background checks and increasing funding for community anti-violence programs. On Friday, Biden said he is considering executive orders that would limit access to imported weapons and guns produced on 3D printers. The debate over gun control has become enmeshed in discussions among Democrats about whether to overhaul the Senate filibuster, which for years has been used by both parties to block or stall legislation. Some Democrats have pushed to eliminate the filibuster for voting rights legislation, arguing that Congress must act to counter efforts in Republican-controlled state legislatures across the nation to limit access to the polls. On Sunday, Murphy said Republican compromise on gun issues could prove the Senate can still function without drastic changes to the rules. Number two. The Biden administration's attention along the Mexico border has been consumed for the past several weeks by record numbers of migrant teenagers and children crossing into the U.S. without their parents, at a rate that far exceeds the government's ability to care for them. But as they race to add shelter capacity for these minors, Department of Homeland Security officials are privately warning about what they see as the next phase of a migration surge. This phase, they warn, could be the largest in two decades, driven by a much greater number of families. My colleagues Nick Miroff and Maria Sacchetti report that DHS expects roughly 500,000 to 800,000 migrants to arrive as part of a family group during the 2021 fiscal year that ends in September. That quantity would equal or exceed the record numbers who entered in 2019. Officials are now racing to find facilities to house these families ahead of their release and additional staff to process an increase in humanitarian and asylum claims. The estimate is based on what has already been an increase since President Biden took office January 20th. This month, the number of families taken into Customs and Border Protection custody is on pace to reach nearly 50,000. That's up from 7,000 in January. 
Groups of families, sometimes collectively numbering as many as 400, have been showing up this month along the riverbanks in South Texas, straining CPB's ability to transport, process, and care for so many parents and children without leaving other sections of the border unsupervised. Hundreds of parents and children have been spending hours at an outdoor processing station next to the Rio Grande, some sleeping on the ground while they wait for agents to formally take them into custody. Roy Villarreal, who retired last year after 33 years in the Border Patrol, said roughly 40 percent of those taken into CPB custody now are children and families, but they consume 60 to 70 percent of agents' time, attention, and paperwork. Villarreal said border security drops tremendously because of this, noting that drug traffickers often choreograph the crossings of large groups of families to tie up agents in one area while moving narcotics in another. While the Biden administration says its policy is to expel families to Mexico under a pandemic health order, the most recent CPB data shows that only about 10 to 20 percent are being turned back. The rest are typically released into the United States with a notice to appear in court, even though Biden told reporters last week that families should all be going back. In late January, just days into Biden's term, Mexican authorities stopped accepting some families rejected by U.S. agents, primarily in the Rio Grande Valley of South Texas. They cited a new child protection law that has limited their shelter capacity. The rule has applied mostly to families arriving with children under the age of seven. So parents with small children have rushed to that span of the border over the past two months, hoping to be quickly released into the United States. The Biden administration has placed some families arriving to South Texas on flights to other sections of the border, including El Paso, then returning them to Mexico from there. But there appears to be no formal determination as to who is allowed into the United States and who is selected for expulsion. This has sown confusion and anguish among the families unlucky to be turned away. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, March 29th. I'm Allison Michaels. Thanks so much for listening.